Welcome to another episode of What the Shuck, the podcast. I'm Muddy River Sports Editor Matt Shuckman, and joining me today, and it's been too darn long since we've done the What the Shuck, Doer. Why haven't we done this for a while? Chris Dewar, KHQA icon, joining me today. What's up, buddy? Rumor is that you and I have been busy, good sir. I mean, that's just the rumor that you're out there. There's been a few things going on in in both of our lives, haven't there? Why why not just complicate it with, you know, let's throw in a Quincy University men's basketball (laughs) search on top of everything while we're at it, my good friend. Well, you you, you went there right away. I was going to wait a little while. I was going to go high school basketball first. But since you've gone there, okay, obviously – the, the news has been out there for several days now. Ryan Hellenthal dismissed uh, four games remaining in the regular season toward the end of his fifth season as head coach. So now you got to look ahead. Who's next? Who's going to be the head coach? Who Who's Josh Raby, the athletic director at Quincy University, going to go get? Because they want to win. They want to up the ante with this program. They, this is a spotlight program for Quincy University. He's got to get this one right, doesn't he? He does. He absolutely does. And I think this has become sort of the marching order under Dr. McGee for all athletic programs is that we're not going to tolerate mediocrity for very long. And we're going to push the envelope as hard as we can to get the best people in there and make these showpiece programs at, at every turn with every hire. And this, as you mentioned, in basketball mecca is probably the most important and the most pressing of all of them which begs the question, who do you hire? And I I think, you know, you and I have probably had the same conversations with the same people. And the the takeaway is that Josh Raby is open to just about anything. You wow him in the process, you probably have a chance. And as, you know, as we both said, there are a lot of really interesting people who are incredibly interested. The question is, can you pay them? Is it legit? Can you make it happen? And I think that's where we sit right now. We'll see who jumps and how enticing they can make this opportunity. Well, I think the start of it, where you go first is Josh Raby does not have a candidate he's ready to hire. He didn't make this move. He and Dr. Brian McGee didn't decide to fire Ryan Hellenthal with a person already made to slide right in there. Like they, they they don't have a handpicked successor. They're opening it up. They're talking to people. They have people they've reached out to that they've had conversations with to judge interest, to judge, you know, and, and not specifically coaches because some, some of these coaches are currently within their, their current season. So, but they're talking to people around them, finding out more about them. They're, they're doing their homework right now so that as soon as, the, as possible, they can get somebody in. And that's why the move was made now. This isn't a, well, let's dawdle. Let's, let's wait till the end of the season. Then we'll make a move. And then we'll, we'll then we'll let them get in here a month later, and then they can start recruiting. They they want to get somebody in here as soon as possible and get a jump start on things. And you can talk about the optics of that, and it may have seemed cruel to Ryan Hellenthal, who by all accounts and all of our dealings has been a class individual. But think of the amount of word of mouth this program and this opening has generated, Matt, within circles because it's open earlier than it maybe was expected to be. And I don't think there's anybody that is surprised that it was open. I think it was the timing of the opening that really caught some people aback. And there are some people who are angry about it, and I get it. Right. 
is a cutthroat business. This is not high school basketball. This is Division II high-caliber men's basketball, and feelings are going to get hurt. And sometimes they get bulldozed in the way of making progress. But that's the job, and that's the hard job that Josh Raby has to do. And, and I think he's a guy who has shown that he will move incredibly quickly, yes. and he will think, as we saw with Casey Bailey, he will think in non-conventional ways in chasing down the right candidate to make sure that they get a perfect fit. And as we have said, Matt, you and I, going back years, because we've covered these programs a long time, there is a specific fit for Quincy University. And you have to hit a lot of different metrics to make that happen, whether it's fundraising, being able to be in the community, being able to recruit, and also recruit your backyard in a way that, as we've seen, some of the best Quincy University men's teams, at least the most engaged in this community, have had a local link to them. And there are an awful lot of really good potential local links out there floating in high school basketball that people who have recruiting access to want to see in this community, you know? And, and we've yes. seen it with the, the Jay Bentley-Justin Brock era. You know, that that generates energy and enthusiasm for this program. The, and, a, and a lot of the people they're talking to are people who have very specific recruit, or not talk to, but who have expressed interest have very specific recruiting ties to the Jeremiah Toltons and the Danny yep. Stevens of the world right now. So that's in play as well, Matt. Well, and the interesting part is if you look back to Marty Bell's most successful team, the 2016-17 team that went 25-7 and and reached the NCAA tournament, second round of the NCAA tournament, two local products with significant roles on that team. Evan McGaffey as a starter, Dalton Hoover coming off the bench. And you don't get Evan McGaffey if he's not an injury situation right. coming out of high school. No question. So you you have to be able to tap those resources. And, and I know one thing that rankled people at Quincy University was when Indianapolis came here recently and Corey Miller was announced in the starting lineup and the place went berserk because so many people from Adams County, from the Menden Ursa area, were there to watch Corey Miller. Now, with that said... Ryan Hellenthal recruited Corey Miller. He did. He recruited him hard. He just didn't land him. He did not, and I saw him at a number of John Wood games on the road doing exactly that. But let's face it, Indy was a better scenario if you're Corey Miller Jr. at that particular time. Right. And that's something that's got to get fixed within this process, regardless of who the end game is. You've got to make sure you want the local kids to stay here. You, they, they have to want to stay here, and you got to give them a reason to. And that that's going to be the biggest challenge. I know there are... Uh, conversations being had on how can they upgrade facilities, make things a little nicer. How can they How can they uh, increase pay for head coaches and assistant coaches, not just in basketball but across the board? All that takes time, though. And, 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 and so there has to be a vision, and I think Josh Raby has a vision to make all these things happen. Is it fair to say, Matt, that that's the most important X factor in all of this, paying assistant coaches? I think it's the the number one thing because not only do you want to get good assistant coaches, you want to keep them for as long as you possibly can. And with the current pay rate QU is offering, you're not keeping them very long. Gary Bass has seen that over and over and over again with the football program. Continuity matters, and it matters at this level more than anything because it's really hard to retain very good Division II coaches in any sport. So you're exactly right, and that's all the intel that we've heard back as well yes. is that that assistant position could be a, a decision breaker for some very good candidates who have legitimate interest in this job. And as you and I both know, there are really good candidates who are at least kicking the tires on this thing. Well, and I I 
think they have to right now. They had they have to have a conversation with Josh Raby. They have to find out what's going on. Is this is this something I want to pursue? Is the pay going to be right? Is the uh, the backing from the the university going to be right? I, I, before they get deep into the interview process, you got to find out as much info as you can about the program and where it's headed and what Josh Raby's vision is. Uh, I think that's as important as anything because if if you can't be one on one with him and match his vision with your vision, there's going to be a problem. There's going to be a disconnect. Well, I think there's a template there too that we've seen that Josh has a pretty good sense of what he wants and who he hires. And I, I know the record hasn't reflected it yet, but Casey Bailey has made Quincy University women's basketball light years better than it was a year ago. And you can feel some inertia moving in the right direction. Yes. And it, it's going to be the same way with men's basketball as well. I mean, nobody's going to, there is no magic bullet hire that you bring in here right away who is going to change the culture in a year. It is a three-year deal to try to get this where you want to be and get it back to, like you said, the level of 2016, where, you know, at at this level, Matt, you just, every couple of years, it's like Brad Hoyt always told me with recruiting John Wood, you know, you're aiming for every two years. You're aiming for super special every two years because you know you can't do it every year. Right. You're trying to build to that crescendo moment. Well, and I I think QU will get it right. I really do. You know, I believe believe in Josh Raby's vision. I think yeah, I, 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 everything we've seen to this point and every conversation that we've had with Josh leads me to believe that he is a man of action and he is a man of purpose. And I think both those things should give us all confidence. But again, the proof will be in the pudding when it's said and done. Well, if for no other reason Q, than, than this, QU has found itself in the spotlight because walking around uh, Blue Devil Gym on Tuesday night, it was the number one question anybody asked me. Oh, and I'm sure of that, and I'm sure you got a lot of that, and I'm sure you got a lot of the first question I asked you today. Yeah. What's the end game for the Blue Devils this year? How what, how does the playoff road shape up for them based on where they are now? I mean, I, those are two things that this town, well, two of the three things this town is buzzing about. Apparently, Sephora is a huge deal if you ask my wife. So <laughs> I heard nothing but about that yesterday. So apparently, really good cosmetics up there with uh, really good basketball coaches and oh. the future of the Blue Devils. It, you know what, and and that was where I was going to go with this conversation was we're in the throes of the postseason now. We are. Where again, the Blue Devils have had an incredible season, twenty four and five, twenty four wins for the Blue Devils, most in a regular season since the nineteen ninety one ninety two team went twenty four and one in the regular season, um, and an incredible turnaround from last year. But where does it end? Where what's what's the end goal? I mean, the end goal obviously is state tu- state tournament. But I think they win a regional, and then they'll have their hands full of the sectional. What's the special sauce with this group, Matt? Because we've tried to put our finger on it. I you know we talk about how great the youth is, but the youth shouldn't blend together this well. To me, and I, I, I kind of puzzled over this because obviously there's a great deal of talent there. There's yes. a great deal of burgeoning talent, and there's enormous confidence from a freshman class that has preternatural <laughs> confidence in everything it does. But what binds it all together? What is that that fabric, Matt? Have you been able to put your finger on it that has made this group better than a collection of just really good parts? Jeremiah Talton. Okay, and I and I say that you, anybody will look at that and go, "Oh yeah, he's the, he's a great senior with all these great stats." has nothing to do with stats. Sure, his stats are, are he's had a phenomenal year. So I don't want to I don't want to say anything take take that away from him. 
But the bottom line is his leadership and his ability to draw these guys together in the offseason and make them work together. This wasn't a group that, oh, the freshmen are going to go play over here during the summer and Jeremiah Talton's going to go with his AAU team um, and play and, and, you know, and everybody's going different directions all summer. Yes, they, they played AAU ball. Yes, they had other commitments. But the amount of time they spent together, learning each other, getting to know each other, becoming a family in a sense, is what has created this. And Jeremiah Talton sets the standard for that. So it's ecosystem as much as anything. Yes. And, and the fact that you have a senior who's modeled senior. And look, I, I don't get out to too many Quincy High practices because I'm spread pretty thin in the way that I do. But the one Quincy High practice I remember watching, you're right. It's Jeremiah is just a different level of leader with the way yes. he approaches everything. And you do, if you, you follow what the model is, and he is quite frankly, someone who takes every single rep very seriously, yes. which I guess if you're playing with a bunch of ninth graders is probably the best possible scenario Andy Douglas can have. And, and those ninth graders are oblivious to all of it. And, and I say that because I'm talking to Bradley Longcore after the victory over Rock Island, where he hit two huge three pointers in the fourth quarter to give Quincy the lead. And he was like, eh, I was just hooping. <laughs> you know, it was just it, it it was just so casual the way he handled it that you just go, he's oblivious to the pressure right now. Now, will that change over time or will he be able to stay oblivious to the pressure? Because if he does, those crunch time moments will he he will own those if he stays oblivious to the pressure. They've been pretty good with with role players as well. And we don't talk enough about it, but the O'Briens and the Mulherans have served very specific roles here and done a pretty do good darn good job in in kind of being the glue here, have they not? Well, you have you have kids with a high basketball IQ. And I, that's the biggest part of that is they don't have to be the most talented player. They had, but they need to be the smart players, and they have been. And the this again, this team has bonded together extremely well. There's no selfishness. There's no nobody going. Well, Jeremiah's shooting the ball too much tonight, or Bradley Longcar needs to pass more. Nobody's doing that. None of them. And then you got you got a kid like Ralph Wires coming off the bench, hitting free throws down the stretch, playing with an extreme amount of confidence. Well, and you also have some things you haven't had, like Keyshawn Thomas with that hip and his ability to do some things physically to change sort of the the atmosphere of the game in a moment's notice. I mean, if that if that kid figures out the weight room, my gosh, Matt! I mean, he has a chance to be extraordinarily special in an era where nobody likes to touch anybody and nobody wants to be physical in the paint. That kid just models it naturally. He's reminiscent of a guy they called the Big Brown Bear. <laughs> and, and, and if he comes anywhere close to being that good, that's pretty darn special. But he's got he's got that build, he's got that mentality, and he's got that ability to play with his back to the basket. And he's only a freshman; he's only going to get better. You do not want to be on that young man's hip. That's all I can tell you because it's a recipe for disaster. So we we say the Blue Devils win a regional. That's our that's our prediction. And you think normal community is the tough the, the, the I, I think out. I think yeah I think normal community is going to be really tough tough for anybody to beat. Okay. Um, who else? Who, who's our last boys team standing on the Illinois side? So this is a really interesting question based on the fact that I think we're all sitting here hoping that we get some iteration of fully healthy Southeastern and fully healthy Liberty finally 
at the Jacksonville Bowl in a super section. Oh, that would be phenomenal. To set up. Now, I don't think that's as easy as it sounds. No. Um, you know, and obviously, I think if you look at Augusta Southeastern and the way they've played, they might have the easier route out of the top of the bracket. True. Um, and here's the thing. They struggled last night. And, you know, they're still trying to find their calibration with Danny Stevens back. Um, sometimes guys are a little too differential, deferential, I should say, um, because they played really well when Danny was out. And, you know, kind of finding your equilibrium with one another, you know, whether it's yes. Ramsey Fry. I think the key to that team, honestly, is Eli Leesman. When Eli Leesman goes, they are a really different team. And, you know, so... The ups and downs of Southeastern lead me to believe eventually it's all going to come together. And I think you could probably safely say that Brett Ufkus has done one of the most amazing coaching jobs in this area based on what he lost for most of the season. Oh, mercy. When Danny went up and banged his hand off the, the standard, that first home game in Augusta, and didn't play for, what, six weeks? Yes. And they stayed af not only stayed afloat, but won at an incredibly high level. <laughs> Nearly beat Liberty without Danny Stevens in that marvelous overtime game I mean, that, they, you know, that they ended up playing. And oh. all of a sudden, you're going to get, you hope you're going to get the rematch there. I, again, I think Augusta Southeastern is the safer bet. Liberty's probably going to have to go through Triopia or Route. And that, that side of the bracket in the sectional is just absolutely loaded because Rich Thompson has a really good team, one reminiscent of his Final Four, you know, state team, with mm -hmm. a, even with a snow involved again. That's a really tough team. We've seen also, if you've been to the pit, you've seen Jacksonville route, you've seen their ability to muck it up in the middle with Gus Abel and some big bodies and to kind of make everybody around them play ugly. So it's not an easy route for Liberty. I think Liberty is the most talented small school team in our area. Yes. I don't think that's up for discussion. Uh, do they have a Danny Stevens? No. Uh, I don't think anybody has a Danny well, no, Stevens. No, nobody does. Yeah, he's the most talented kid I've seen this year. But I think Liberty's length sets them apart. I mean, you look out there at times, and they're just so long at every position. They are. They're going to call it. They cause so many... So much trouble for teams on the defensive end because of that length. Well, and you talk about high IQ. What about a what about a Clayton Obert? You know, yes. and, and a kid who brings something to the table. Uh, Cannon Wolf, obviously. I mean, their bench has expanded a lot. I think Reese Knuffman has given them some incredibly I, good minutes. No question about it. And and Jackson Tenhouse comes yeah. in and plays so darn hard. I mean, there, there's a lot of really good pieces that have worked really well there for what they've been able to do. And, yeah, you know, Greg Altmix has done a fantastic job blending through some injury issues of his own this year. But, again, they've got a really hard road to hoe. They do. And, they do. And I, I think 1A, Class 1A basketball around here is going to be a very entertaining postseason. Class 2A is not. It, it may not be. And, you know, so here's the, the takeaway from last night with Quincy Notre Dame at West Hancock. You know, I, I can remember, I'm old enough to remember back to 1998, Matt Shuckman, and I think you and I and Reno Pinkston have had this discussion, <laughs> that, you know, Nauvoo Calusa is not a state championship if, you know, a state championship winner, if Payson Seymour doesn't punch them square in the jaw right. in, in game, what was it, 19, I think, of that season. You know, that was a moment last night for Quincy Notre Dame, a team that we've all thought has really fun, interesting pieces, speaking of length and the ability to make things really hard on people, but yeah. is yet to ever put it all together for a sequence of four quarters. Last night is either going to debilitate the Raiders' confidence going into Beardstown in a way that will make this a very short run, or Kevin Meyer is going to have everybody's attention and playtime is over. 
You know, and it's time to go to work, and it's time to start hitting the glass because they got embarrassed last night on the boards by a West Hancock team who was, what, 11-16 and 16 coming into yes. that game last night? Yes. And, and, by, and by the way, I'm going to say this apropos of nothing. You know, 1997 was not a fluke. Jeff Dahl can flat coach, and he has done one of the best jobs with a team that was terrible at the beginning of the season to getting them to the point where last night they looked like the Golden State Warriors reigning threes at Quincy Notre Dame's expense. <laughs> so give Jeff Dahl a lot of credit for the job he's done at West Hancock this season. And I, to follow up your point, I think it's going to be a debilitating loss okay. for Notre Dame. I, I think they're going to have trouble bouncing back because they got they they don't they have a short turnaround they play friday night against keokuk and in, in the regular season finale and then play their first regional game on saturday saturday at five o'clock i just I, I don't know if they are strong enough if they have strong enough on-court leadership okay. to bounce back from it are we have we have we turned the page on illini west or are we still waiting for them to get there as well I mean, I, I think this is a team with Max Richardson finally kind of getting to look like Matt yeah. and, and Nolan Dietrich no. shooting the ball as well as they have. That's a team that could be interesting at Beerstown. They could. I think they could upset somebody. Okay. But I don't think they can go on a, a long run. Okay. Um, Do you see anybody? I, I, I'm assuming you see nobody in 2A that can. No. Okay. Nobody nobody from our area in 2A. Um, and, and, then, and then we go back to, you know, sticking in the boys theme. On the we switch over to the Missouri side, Monroe City's the horse and the only horse, right? I think they're the most obvious horse. Yes. Um, would it surprise me if you know Highland finally puts it all together with the athletes they have? Um, you know, the return of Devin Stutzman helping out and making them more athletic. Um, maybe, maybe not. But I think Monroe City is clearly the bellwether. I think they proved that with that Liberty win. Yeah. I think that Liberty win set them back on where they need to be. And I think, you know what? To some degree, Brock Idris, as good as a coach as he is, kind of needed that moment to get his team refocused. They played an incredibly hard schedule. You know, it's kind of torn them down at times because, you know, they lost a lot with Mr. Bulig graduating last year. True. It's kind of changed the complexion of who they are. I thought they found their identity in that win yet again over Liberty, yep. and I think it carries them a long way. I think they're the obvious Missouri team. Um, you know, I, I don't dismiss somebody on the smaller school level maybe getting a, more, a couple more upsets than you thought. You know, there's, right. there's a good chance that maybe a North Shelby or somebody goes on a run, a little bit of a run, but I, I think it's clearly Monroe City or bust on the boys' side. Now we have the girls' side, yes. and on the Illinois side, it's very intriguing because we have a ton of teams with potential. We, we've talked about the high level all year in 1A and 2A, and the, the first thought I had the other night was I was feeling really good if I was, say, you know, if I was Brad Begaman, um, you know, if I was David Phelps, I was feeling really good about the 1A run until I saw what Brimfield did to Q&D. Right. Um, but I still like those teams an awful lot. I think those are two teams that are, are incredibly talented for a 1A run, built really well. I spent some time last night in Biggsville, um, you know, watching Unity play. And Unity can transition so incredibly well. And their defense is so interesting because Kira Carruthers disrupts everything. Oh, no doubt. And, and she's so fearless. And she got knocked in the jaw last night and got up smiling. It was like the girl across <laughs> from her wanted to fight, and she just got up smiling at her. So there's a different mentality to that Unity team that I think makes them pretty special. And, and if you know the Flynn twins, obviously you know they're not daunted by the moment no, either. So those two all. teams are fun. And then you flip around and you look in Class 2A at Quincy Notre Dame who has had some interesting hiccups down the stretch. True. Where they got to be a little too Abby Shrek-centric and not enough of everybody else. 
And you also look at Illini West and some of the things they've done down the stretch. Um, and do you really want to dismiss a Matt Long team playing its best no, basketball No, I, I think that's the most intriguing part of it is you give him the talent he's got right now, even though some of it's young, give him time to prepare. I wouldn't bet against him. That dingy little Jim, he's hosting Illini West on Thursday. Yep. He's got those freshmen playing out of their mind, and Lauren Miller is a killer oh. right now. She has been an absolute killer out there directing things. And you know what? Matt's going to muck it up, and that's what Matt does. Yes. That's why he's in the Hall of Fame. And, I, you know, I don't know. There, there's going to be a lot of force of will stuff coming up on Thursday, weather permitting. You know, when you see a Riley Reed battling an Amanda Stevens down in the blocks. Right. I, I mean, those are two teams that are very, very diligent in being who they are. They, they have this affected personality that they take out there on the floor. And as a battle of wills goes, I don't know what's going to give on Thursday, honestly. As good as Katie Kirkham is, and she has been as good as just about anybody in our area this year, yep. that's a really intriguing matchup i think there's a lot of intriguing matchups ahead and you and i are going to be chasing our tails trying to keep up keep up with everything aren't we we are and you know it hasn't i, I know this has been put out there in other places hasn't been made easy because the schedule's not going to be easy and no you know again tip your cap to your local media because we're trying our best out there but you know it's impossible to be everywhere all at once it just it kind of almost is anymore it is and the ihsa did not do anyone favors from a fan standpoint from a media standpoint from a school standpoint by doing everything on the same night well and and that's why we've always kind of employed the meritocracy thing if it comes down to hard choices the team with the best record is going to get first coverage priority yeah. and, and and it's going to trickle down from there and we're going to hope we make the right calls and i guarantee you we're probably not always going to do that Matt but I mean that's the only way you can approach this at this point and you hope there at the end you have a number of really good teams standing that you still have in the mix and I think we will I you know I yeah. tend to think we're going to have a 1A and 2A girls team um, you know over at Redbird Arena you know doing what they do and and you know giving us a chance to see a final four I don't know if that any of them are state championship worthy but you got to get there to find out and I do think that we have some really interesting girls teams in northeast Missouri heck I mean we saw what South Shelby did against Quincy Notre Dame no if question threes, if the threes are falling they can play with anybody it's gonna be fun I hope the sports runner is gassed up always I, I hope you're uh, well-rested and ready for uh, this journey we're about to embark on. I require very little sleep, my friend, and I live <laughs> on joy. And, uh, again, great work to Muddy River. You know, you've become this really unique part of my night, Matt Shuckman, where right after Wordle, I catch up on all my Muddy River fun. <laughs> it's like 12.06. i got to wait for my Kings game to end on League Pass. I Wordle, hopefully successfully, and then I get to read all of your great stuff. Do and it. commend you guys for the awesome work. Uh, you know, the countdown of the, the small school teams has been amazing, but it's the day-to-day -day stuff that I love most. It's just a chance to read a little different angle and give people a little different perspective on what they're seeing. And that's what you guys do so darn well. So, again, well, you. continue great work. It's been awesome. By the way, I think I've got you on Wordle right now. I think I'm, I'm a little ahead of you in, in solving them a little quicker. You have been. I hit a slump right about the time the Kings traded for DeMonta Sabonis, where I can't quite think <laughs> right. So, I, I went through the five five stages of grief and my wordling went way downhill if you want to you want one suggestion yeah pause is a great word to start with it is a very good word three three I, three vowels in there so i'm gonna jump on scott Gaines and figure out what spurred his 30 game yeah. win streak so piano piano's another very piano good one good word, yes, yes. irony irony gets, really gets the y word. in there you never know when that y is and gonna pop up to play at the end yep
So, well, good luck in your wordle pursuits, and and thanks for stopping in today. Always a pleasure, my friend. Let's do this a little more often, you and I. Let's let's make sure that happens. This has been what the shuck the podcast. Thanks to Chris Dewar for joining me. I'm Muddy River Sports Editor Matt Shuckman. Catch you next time. <laughs>